Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. If you are here, you are probably here to listen to me rant about something related to evangelical Christian bullshit. And if that's what you're looking for, then you are in the right place. So welcome or welcome back. I'm glad you're here. I hope that you are having a lovely summer. I hope that you are staying cool or warm wherever you are. Here in Los Angeles, it's been hot as fuck. And I haven't really felt like doing much of anything. It's just been, it's been almost unbearable. Which sucks because we had such a lovely, mild spring and early summer. But I feel like that's happening more and more lately. The past several years, it it just, the weather has just been getting ridiculous. And we know, we know why that is. But that's not what this podcast is about. So, Yeah. I hope that you're doing well. I'm glad you're here. The last time you heard from me, I was decompressing about a situation that somebody I knew personally was in, is in, um, basically facing consequences of his actions, which as we all know, for straight white men in evangelical Christianity, actually doesn't happen very often. So yeah, that dude's in prison now, or hopefully. I don't know how fast that happens. If you recall, you heard from me, uh, or I was recording that episode on a Thursday night. He was supposed to report for his sentence the next day on Friday, and I assume that's what happened. So Yeah, I assume that he is now in prison. Yay. Fantastic. Child predator behind bars. We love to see it. Um, Critiques of the justice system as a whole aside, because quite frankly, it is what it is. And child predators, yeah, they still deserve to face consequences. So anyway... That was a long and ridiculously rambling introduction. Let's get right into what we're talking about today, which is going back to our exploration of the concept of biblical sexology through the lens of this anonymous person, Larry Solomon, who has this blog. This one... Let me start with a warning that this particular essay is fucking sick, which is saying a lot because we've heard this man advocate literally for marital rape and physical punishment of a man's wife. But for some reason, this one broke me a little bit and I'll get into why. But for now, I just need you to know that Larry is a fucking ghoul And the attitude and mindset that he embodies is fucking disgusting. If you or someone you love has bought into this, especially if you or they are a woman, and if you feel safe doing so, please, please, please explore getting out. Please, please, please encourage them to get out and get help because this is fucking sick. And you don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. In case nobody has told you that, you don't have to live this way. But let's get into it. Larry opens this essay with part of an email that he received from a follower he calls Winter. 
I am not going to touch on it specifically now because I will read the whole thing later, but I just want to point out that for a dude who believes women should submit to men and who, I would argue, clearly sees women as inferior, he sure likes to use their words to draw in an audience. I've definitely noticed a pattern here, emails from women or maybe emails supposedly sent by women tend to inspire his work. But anyway, he starts with part of this email that he allegedly received and uses it to dive into explaining about why he talks about sex so much. Which I think is kind of funny as a whole, just because talking about sex is fine. It's just... Well, no, let me backtrack. Talking about sex is a good thing. You should feel comfortable talking about sex in appropriate settings with your partner, with potential partners, with your friends, with your parents, with your children. You know, there's appropriate levels of of discussing sex and sexuality in the different relationships that we all have in our lives. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just funny that in evangelical Christianity, there absolutely is. Nobody talks about it. Nobody should talk about it. It's it's like, it's a bad word. It's taboo. It's a subject no one touches, um, which, as we see, causes a lot of problems. So back to Larry. He says that he gets emails from people all the time wanting to know why he talks about sex so much. And I'm not sure if I believe him because, I mean, first of all, he's this anonymous entity on the Internet writing a blog literally titled Biblical Sexology. So not to defend Larry in any way, but if you come to a website called that and then wonder why he talks about sex so much, are you lost? I don't get it. So I don't know if I, I don't know if this is really a thing. I don't know if I really believe him, but regardless, he says something here that I actually agree with wholeheartedly. He says, The reason I tell them is because our sexuality, whether before marriage or after marriage, has such a huge impact on our lives, even though many Christians don't want to admit it. We hear all the time about how we live in an oversexed society, and I can see why Christians feel that way because of all the modern imaging technology we have now and how much things that used to be in secret are now in our faces. But let me assure you, long before the age of electricity and photographs and commercials, sex has always played a large part in people's lives. The difference was it was hidden. And let me clarify, I don't agree with his tone here. There's a bit of an air of like hand wringing that I just simply don't care about. I feel like deep down, Larry probably is also frustrated by how out in the open we are with sex now, at least in some ways. But aside from that, I agree with the statement. Sex and sexuality do have a huge impact on the life of any given human. And while many in evangelical Christianity are uncomfortable with the idea that sex is quote unquote everywhere now, from sexually charged ads for everything from cars to cheeseburgers, to folks pushing to make comprehensive sex education accessible for all children, to adults with breasts feeling less insistence to cover up when they feed their children. We as a society are moving in a direction that is more open in a lot of ways. 
And I mean, sex sells, although that's an entirely different conversation. So anyway, he's right. Sex and sexuality play a huge role in our lives, and these subjects are a lot less taboo than they used to be. It may not feel like it sometimes, especially in religious circles, but we really are moving toward being more open with all of these things. But then he takes a hard left turn and for some reason goes to this really negative place. I guess maybe because the point of this article is, spoiler alert, that women should be slutty little sex slaves for their husbands at all times, even to the detriment of their professional and personal lives. But like, why are we approaching sex from an automatically negative place? I love talking about sex with friends, with partners, with prospective partners. I love talking about my sexuality and what I want and what I like. I love talking about sex so much that I'm actually working on another project with a friend where that's all we're going to do. Even when the conversation turns to struggles and issues and things that are hard, no pun intended, I don't think I've ever approached the conversation with a negative attitude. Regardless, this is what Larry says next. Men and women were frustrated with their sex lives, with their spouses, since the beginning of mankind. Men and women have both acted sinfully because of wrong choices related to sex since the beginning as well. These are not new problems. If we want to keep our young people from sinning sexually, and if we want them to truly understand and embrace the gift of sex that God has given to most of his creation, we must talk about this. If we want strong marriages, we must talk about this. And I would actually love to hear what Larry considers to be, quote, sinning sexually, because so far he's essentially told men it's okay to rape their wives and that lusting after someone who he's not married to is actually totally cool as long as you don't actively plan to unlawfully acquire her. But his idea of a sexual sin is definitely implied, and it's definitely something that women do, but more on that later. So now at this point, Larry shares Winter's full email. The way he structures the rest of his article is that he shares the email and then gives his response. So what I'm going to do is I want to read the whole thing word for word and then go over Larry's response with my commentary because you know I'm going to have some. Then I want to reread Winter's email and provide my own response to the things that she has to say. Because while this podcast at least I'm assuming, is being listened to by people who are mostly, at least partially, out of the culture, if there's any chance that this will cross the ears of someone who's still in it, I want them to know that they deserve more. You, if that's you, you deserve more. Okay? So let's start with Winter's email, word for word, as it's presented here. I've been taking this seriously for the last six months, and I just wanted to tell you and get your comments. I rarely deny my husband's sex of some kind. I say no sometimes. I'm not perfect. I give oral sex if intercourse is not possible. I'm shocked at how much my husband wants to have sex. He wants it just about every day, sometimes twice a day. Now that he knows I won't deny him, he gets into the shower with me often and we make love in there. Gross. 
I had no idea he liked that so much. We did it in the shower a few times when we first got married, but I wasn't into it because I just wanted to hurry up and shower and get ready for my day. I've witnessed such an unexpected difference in my husband and would like and I would like to know if you think it's related to my new attitude regarding sexual obedience. The short story is my husband has become so ambitious at work and in life generally. He's gotten a promotion, but the biggest change is he's always wanted to start his own business and he is now taking the steps to do it. He has talked about it for years and dreamed about it, but I've never seen an attitude like this. He's become very alpha. He actually works less now. He's in a management role and he delegates a lot of work. To hear him on the phone with his employees, it's like a totally different man. He's very assertive and authoritative. I must say it's a turn on for me and makes me want him more. I will say though that this has not been without sacrifice on my part. I used to work nights, but I changed my schedule to be available to him in the evenings, so I make less money than I used to. I also gave up some activities so I can rest more. A big part of my problem before I started this was I was tired all the time and was too exhausted for sex. But also, and you're probably not going to like this, it's been difficult emotionally because I don't like giving up control. Honestly, I've had to fight my own rebelliousness. Sometimes when he approaches me, I'm tired and lazy and just want him to leave me alone. Sometimes I'm distracted and don't want to drop what I'm doing. I don't know how to put it, but it has been difficult to not have my way on this. That's been the hardest part. I like being 100% in control of my body and now I have to make sacrifices. So yes, it's been difficult. Sexual obedience is a way of life. It requires a whole different mindset. My husband's needs and fulfillment take up a lot more real estate in my brain now than they used to. It's not as simple as stop, drop, and do it like I thought it was going to be. Am I making any sense? I'd love to know your thoughts on my story. So that was a lot. And again, we will get into my thoughts later. But for now, I just want to say, God damn, I wish I could hug Winter. With her consent, of course. Something that she seems to have given up completely. And like, and tell her that she's worth more and deserves more. At least she's attracted to her husband. Like, oh my God, he's so alpha now. Hot. I guess there's that. Um... Yeah, so take all that in for a second, because now we're going to get to Larry's response. And I I feel like I need to reiterate, because I haven't done so in this episode yet, we're not talking about a, a consensual kink relationship. We're not talking about consensual, like, power play. We're not talking about... Um, anything, anything like that. This is not kink. This is not a fetish. This is not, not that at all. Please, please keep that in mind. This is not that. So yeah, take all of that in for a second because now we're going to get to Larry's response. And let me just preface this by saying, This man is fully fighting the urge to straight up call her good girl. That's really the vibe here. So content warning for that because it's kind of icky and that is coming from someone who thrives on being called good girl. He says, it brings me great joy, God great joy, and I'm sure your husband great joy to see the change in your attitude toward 
meeting your husband's sexual needs. The shock you felt once you opened up and allowed your husband free sexual access to your body is one that many women face when they truly give their husbands that free and unfettered access to their bodies that God demands. I love how he lists himself first before this woman's husband um, and God actually like his opinion on this matter is most important like forget your husband forget even God it brings Larry so much joy that you've removed consent from your relationship with your husband I, I swear to God but let's unpack this second part we'll start with the scripture he cites because as usual he's not telling the whole truth He cites 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. According to the NIV, 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5 reads as the following. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because your lack of self-control. So first of all, this sounds pretty mutual to me. This isn't a list of rules for wives. It's more of an explanation of how the sexual relationship between husband and wife should go. But again, as usual, Larry has conveniently left out part of the passage because he's going to treat this like it's a commandment that women should give themselves entirely to their husband whenever whenever he wants because God commands it. Verse 6, though, which he doesn't actually cite, says the following. I say this as a concession, not as a command. A concession, not a command. Also remember that Paul wrote 1 Corinthians as a letter to the Corinthian church, basically about all the things he thought they were doing wrong. So this is Paul's concession. So then Larry gets into educating all of us on how the sexual component of a marriage, as he says, quote, usually works. And this feels like as good a time as any to remind you that he is writing this anonymously. So we have no way of knowing what kind of education or qualifications Larry has. He doesn't cite data or numbers or any hard facts. He doesn't cite anything at all other than cherry-picked Bible verses that he's taken out of context to try to prove his point. We don't know if he's a scholar of any kind. We don't know if he's a theologian. We don't know if he's a sexologist. We can safely assume that all of this is, at best, anecdotal evidence, and at worst, nothing but opinion and conjecture. But Larry mentions the honeymoon phase and explains that when couples first marry, they pretty much fuck daily, or at least several times a week. But at some point, women want to, quote, settle their man down and start telling him no. And he says that specifically, that they want to settle their man down. And I feel like I'm going to say this a lot throughout this episode, but women like sex too. So I'm not sure where this is coming from. 
I think if anything, couples can naturally start having sex less after that initial honeymoon period because the relationship evolves. They are more comfortable with each other, and because the relationship is no longer new, the needs of the relationship change and other things start taking more of a priority again. This actually seems super healthy, but what the fuck do I know? I'm not an anonymous whatever you need me to be to legitimize what I'm saying. Anyway, he says that men start to learn that there's a chance that anytime they try to initiate sex with their wife, she could tell him no. And yes, that's called bodily autonomy, babe. But Larry, and evangelical Christianity at large to some extent, believe women shouldn't get to have that, ever. The next part is really funny to me. Larry says, Now most women, because of period issues or other medical issues, will have to turn their husbands down from time to time, and that is okay, and husbands need to be understanding about this. (laughs) You hear that, ladies? That's your only valid excuse not to have sex with your husband, even if you don't want to, medical or, quote, period issues. And can I just say that if you're not fucking on your period, you're missing out? I'm so sorry to my family members that listen to this. Oh my God. Um, Surprise, I like to be called good girl and I like period sex. But seriously, it's wild to me that in Larry's mind, this is the only valid reason for not coercing your wife into sex she doesn't want to have. She's either sick, injured, or on her period. This is hilarious to me, but not at all surprising. Also like... Thank you, Larry, for clarifying that we can say no, but only if we're gross to you because let's be for fucking real, that's what he means. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves with thanking Larry because he goes on to explain that women need to understand that if they do tell their husbands no, even for reasons he calls legitimate, and let me just cut in here to say that any reason why you don't want to fuck at any given time is legitimate even no reason at all. I can't believe I need to say that so explicitly, but I want to make it crystal fucking clear that you don't owe your partner sex ever. But if you do tell your husband no, it's actually your responsibility to revive your sex life, he says. But if you were like most women, you probably didn't realize that if you turn your husband down for sex, even for legitimate reasons, it is your job to get the sex moving again in your relationship. Your husband does not want to keep coming and asking for sex, hoping this is the night you will say yes. For many men, when their wives turn them down for sex, it is like flipping an off switch on your sex life. It is your job as a wife when you have to turn him down to go and turn the sex switch in your relationship back on on. And first I want to say, for someone who considers himself this groundbreaking revolutionary when it comes to Christians fucking, it's hilarious to me that there's this implication that sex only happens at night. But I digress. He blames a couple's dying sex life on the wife turning her husband down and then not turning the switch back on or whatever. He says that, before you know it, this causes your sex life to go from one or two times a week to a few times a month. And do the math in your head. Those two statements are pretty much the same thing. But remember that numbers, especially actual data, aren't Larry's strong suit. 
Oh, he also says that some women actually get a sick thrill out of making their husbands never really know if they will say yes or no to them. This is an act of emotional cruelty towards one's husband. And if we want to talk about emotional abuse, we can and should talk about emotional abuse. But it's really rich that Larry has a problem with a wife purposefully denying her husband sex when he wants it, but literally advocates for marital rape. Fuck this guy. And I mean, fuck you too if you're emotionally abusing your partner. But for right now, mostly fuck this guy. The next part is wild in that it gave me a little whiplash. Here's the thing. Evangelical Christianity and, frankly, I would say conservatism in general, loves to treat men like they are all natural-born leaders with a divine right to lead women because they are so strong and bold and masculine and unemotional and rational and nothing phases them, and women are just so weak and stupid and, like, crying all the time. And I'm going to read what he wrote, but Larry goes from imploring women to let their husbands down gently when they just can't fuck them because of one of the two legitimate reasons Larry has approved of, to talking about how giving your husband sex whenever he wants helps build up his alpha mentality. Yes, you cannot make this stuff up. I mean, Larry can because he did. But I certainly couldn't. Larry says, Once you open yourself to your husband and let him know he truly has unfettered access to your body, and if you do have to turn him down, you do it gently, and then as soon as you are ready, you initiate to let him know sex is back on the table, it will truly revolutionize your marriage as you have seen. Sex has a huge impact on a man's demeanor. On the issue of the change in your husband's ambition and demeanor, absolutely, you giving your body freely and with a good attitude to your husband would definitely help with his ambition and attitude towards life. Have you heard the phrase, he just needs to get laid? I know it sounds crass, but it is absolutely true. When a man, or even a woman, feels sexually frustrated, or they are not getting sexually fed at home, it will affect every part of their life. Oftentimes, it will, re- it will result in men being less ambitious and more irritable. When a man feels like he can have sex with his wife whenever he wants, and he feels like she desires him and he pleases her, that same man will often feel like he can go out and conquer the world. So yeah, treat your manly alpha husband with kid gloves or else he won't be able to go out there and conquer the world or something. I don't know. This is all just so fucking funny to me, but also terrifying because what else can evangelical Christianity pin on women? I mean, damn, we're already the root cause for all evil in the world. We're literally the reason you don't get to live in heaven on earth. I guess it just makes sense for our pussies to have total control over our husband's demeanor. But again, if you must tell him no because you happen to be sick or menstruating and those things are both disgusting, please do it gently. He can't handle it otherwise. Can you hear me rolling my eyes? This next part is also really fucking funny. I'm going to read it as is because while we already know Larry, this next passage tells us exactly what kind of dude he is. And I'm going to apologize in advance for this because it's as cringe as it is hilarious. And by hilarious, I mean we're laughing at him, not with him. He says, 
There's an old saying that behind every great man is a great woman. I think that is often true when women truly support their husbands in the way God meant them to. Forgive me for what I'm about to do to that famous phrase, but I think this I think this statement is equally true. Underneath every great man is a great woman. Think in the sexual arena and let your brain churn for a minute and you'll get what I'm saying. And first like, no babe, we got it. I know you think we're all stupid, but I didn't need to take a whole minute for that to make sense. I, in fact, saw it coming the second you said behind every great man, and honestly, I thought that's just where you were headed, but based on how you actually talk about sex, that's giving your polite missionary after the kids are asleep in the bed ass a lot of credit. Let your brain churn for a minute, and maybe you'll get what I'm saying. Second, gross. Third, did you know there are actually a lot of ways women can be loving, supportive partners? But I guess as long as you're getting your dick wet, those things don't actually matter, do they? And in case you forgot for a second how Larry and those like him view sex, not as a mutually beneficial act that feels good and is fulfilling for all parties involved, he reminds us of the following. Keeping your husband well-fed sexually will not only benefit him and his endeavors outside the home, but it will also benefit your marriage and your family by giving him the increased energy he needs to take on life's daily tasks. So really, letting your husband fuck you whenever he wants is actually for you. Come on, take one for the team and let him do whatever he wants to you, again, whenever he wants to, so that your family's life is better. It'll make your life better too. Jesus fucking Christ, this man is disgusting. But it gets worse. It actually gets worse here. The last part of this article is actually what made me feel really fucking terrible for anyone caught up in this or married to someone who has bought into this way of thinking. Like, all jokes, all snark aside. This is the part that made me feel sad for all women in evangelical Christianity or other high-control religions with similar values and practices. Even if your husband or the men around you don't adhere to Larry's creepy sex cult entirely, the things we're about to talk about are definitely relevant and are experiences so many women in the culture have to some extent. The header for the next section is Christian wives must save energy for their sex lives. And Larry has the following to say. On the issue of you being tired all the time before, that is absolutely true for many women. The greatest lie of feminism is telling women you can have it all. That is utterly untrue. There are only so many hours in a day and you only have so much energy to give. If you spend 40 hours a week at your job and then another 10 hours a week commuting, you are going to have very little energy left to give your husband, your children, and your home. Many women today save little to no energy for their sex lives with their husbands. Their jobs get their energy and what little energy they have after going out to their career, they give to their children while they, while, God, get a fucking editor. Their jobs get their energy and what little energy they have after going out to their career, they give to their children while their husband is left scrounging for scraps of energy from his wife for their sex life. Larry, babe, use some of your energy to proofread your fucking articles. You got the point, though. As you correctly point out, 
Yes, it is a sacrifice, but I think you would agree, based on the changes you have seen in your husband's life, that it was a sacrifice worth making. So basically, if you're someone who wants to have a career and be a wife and mom, you're doing it wrong and need to get your priorities straight. Because how will you have time? How will you be able to have your career because you also have kids to raise, a house to clean, and a husband to fuck and cook for? It's funny because the obvious answer here is that parenting and keeping the house should be done by two people, but they're never going to get that. So let's completely ignore it for a second. Let's get back to the root of evangelical Christianity and what matters for women. Why is the implication here that her having a career is the problem? Well, that's simple. Women in this culture are raised to believe that the most important thing they can be is a wife and mom. I would argue that in more contemporary progressive circles, this is changing, which is really great. But traditionally, women aren't encouraged to seek an education or career. They are taught to find meaning and fulfillment in being a wife, raising kids, and keeping up their home. So with this context, of course Larry is going to praise this woman for sacrificing her professional life. Women who do too much, especially when women are doing something other than what men in the culture think they should be doing, are simply unable to be a good wife. And here, to Larry, that means they are unable, or more problematically, unwilling, to be available to their husbands whenever their husbands want to fuck them. And then he says, I think you would agree based on the changes you've seen in your husband's life that it was a sacrifice worth making. So far, I'm missing the part where this has actively made her own life better. Aside from the fact that she's finding herself super attracted to her alpha husband, how is the sacrifice making things better for her? She gave up her work and personal income along with unnamed activities, which I would assume were either hobbies or social activities with friends. And what exactly did she get in return? Because it sounds like nothing. It sounds like her reward for making these sacrifices is that he gets more orgasms. Larry says it sounds like it was a sacrifice worth making, but for whom? And why does some random anonymous man who doesn't even know these people feel entitled to make that call? I hate this so much. Truly, it makes me so sad that there are women out there who, it's it's not even about, oh, they derive so much of their worth from their husband, but it's something else entirely, like their entire identity and life is based completely on making their husband happy. Anyone who isn't balls deep in this can see how unhealthy that is and how dangerous it can be. It's fucking horrible. But moving on, because I really want to get to my own response to Winter's letter. Next, Larry says, I think it is great that you recognize your own rebelliousness and your desire to control your time and your body. At the same time, though, don't beat yourself up. Recognize your sinful inclinations and then give those things to God. We all face different types of sins, and as men, we have our own sinful inclinations as well that we must recognize and fight through God's grace. First of all, imagine calling a person's desire for bodily autonomy a sinful inclination. 
Fuck all the way off, Larry, you tragic bitch. Imagine responding to a person's vulnerability with calling their desire to control their own time and body a sin. And then having the fucking audacity to try to absolve them from that sin. I swear to God, Larry has such a God complex. It would be pathetic if it weren't so fucking terrifying. Don't beat yourself up. Don't worry. I also love that he throws in here that men sin too. Like, thanks for the clarification, Lair. None of what you write ever implicates men in any sins, but thanks. And then Larry concludes this particular shit show with the following. I just want to admonish you to keep up what you have been doing and realize that your sexual obedience is not just to your husband, but truly it is an act of worship to God himself for all he has done for you. This is also a great testimony that other women can learn from, and I want to thank you for sharing this with me and my audience. It is truly a blessing. As the old song we learned in church goes, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And yes, there it is. If you don't let your husband fuck you whenever he wants, you're truly disobeying God. And disobeying God might lead others to question your faith. This is fucking disgusting. But I want to quickly point out a little word choice here. I know this is super nitpicky, but bear with me. I was really thrown off by his use of the word admonish here because he's using it in a way that it typically isn't used, at least to my knowledge. Admonish is typically used, again, at least in my experience, when you mean to reprimand someone. Now, it can also mean to warn someone or to urge or encourage someone, but I've pretty much only ever seen it or heard it used as a verb meaning to reprimand or express warning or disapproval. It's weird to me that he chose this word. Again, I'm just being nitpicky here, but it says a lot about how he sees himself and the women who write to him, the women he believes he is counseling in some way, the women he believes are beneath him. And then, of course, he expresses that other women should listen to Winter's story and follow suit. And I disagree completely. Of course I do. Obviously. So with that being said, I'm going to reread Winter's email and provide my own response. So here we go. I've been taking this seriously for the last six months, and I just wanted to tell you and get your comments. And see, right off the bat, I feel like... Again, allegedly, this email was sent to Larry, and he he definitely didn't write it himself to include in this blog. Um, I, I guess it could really go either way, but to me, it's just weird that that this woman is basically doing exactly what he what he says to do, but she's like worried and like wants his opinion on it. Well, what what do you think his opinion is going to be? He's going to praise you for doing what he says you should do. I don't know. I guess that doesn't really matter. Let's get into let's get into the really important part of this of this email. I rarely deny my husband sex of some kind. I say no sometimes, I'm not perfect. I give oral if intercourse is not possible. And I feel like I harp on a lot about how to these people sex is not like a mutually pleasurable, mutually beneficial experience it's all about just like a man coming 
And like this, this right here, th this is exactly what I mean by that. I know I harp on it a lot, but sex, I mean, sex should be what you want it to be. But for most people, that includes mutual pleasure. And it's, that's not even part of the equation here. First of all, it's okay to say no. <laughs> you don't have to, you, this is ridiculous. I'm not even going to touch on the whole, I say no, sometimes I'm not perfect. Yeah, you can say no whenever you want. And I think, I think what she's, what she means here, what she's explaining is, is for the last six months, she has rarely denied her husband sex, I think is, is like the storyline here. I'm shocked at how much my husband wants to have sex. He wants it just about every day, sometimes twice a day. Now that he knows I won't deny him, he gets, oh, gross, the shower part. He gets into the shower with me often and we fuck in the shower. I'm not gonna, never once in my life have I referred to having sex as making love and I'm not gonna start now, even when I'm telling someone else's story. They fuck in the shower, okay? I had no idea he liked that so much. Well, did you ever ask? <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. Do these people talk? Do they have conversations about what they like and don't like? That's that's like problem number one right there. That's that's the root of all of the issues. If you're not communicating, Jesus fucking Christ. We did it in the shower a few times when we first got married, but I wasn't into it because I just wanted to hurry up and shower and get ready for my day. Fair enough. I also am not super into shower sex. Sorry. I need to I need to really draw a very hard boundary between this and my other project because y'all aren't here. Y'all aren't here for that. Anyway. Um cuz right here there's like fundamentally there's this thing that he apparently really likes and she doesn't like, but they're doing it just because he likes it. And it's like, this is one of those things where you could communicate, have a conversation about it and come to some sort of compromise. Like, hey, maybe we do the shower thing on a Friday night or hey, maybe we do the shower thing on a Saturday morning where we're not like getting up and rushing to work or whatever. But no, it none of that matters. <laughs> I need you to understand that none of that matters. She's shocked at how much her, her husband wants to have sex. He wants it every day, sometimes twice a day. Well, it sounds like that could potentially be an issue with him that he should probably work out. I mean, I am by no means trying to police how often a person wants to have sex. Um, everybody's um, drive and libido and things like that are different, but that sounds like a lot of work. And I don't think unless you're like a teenage boy jacking off every time you get a boner I don't think anybody like prioritizes sex to that point but what do I know I've witnessed such an unexpected difference in my husband and I would like to know if you think it's related to my new attitude regarding sexual obedience see this is another reason why I think Larry wrote this himself allegedly conspiracy don't sue me the short story is, my husband has become so ambitious at work and in life generally, he's gotten a promotion, but the biggest change is that he's always wanted to start his own business and he is now taking the steps to do it. He has talked about it for years and dreamed about it, but I've never seen an attitude like this. He's become very alpha. He actually works less now. He's in a management role and he delegates a lot of his work. To hear him on the phone with his employees, it's like a totally different man. 
He is very assertive and authoritative. I must say it's a turn on for me and makes me want him more. And that's the only part of this entire letter that actually makes me kind of happy for this person. Like, great, you should be attracted to your partner. Um, I love that for her. I love I love that she, you know, was able to see like these changes in him or whatever. And she really, you know, she likes this person he's becoming. It sounds like she has a lot of respect for him. That's fantastic. I'm not going to shit on that because I love that. I love that for winter. Um, my problem here, though, is this idea that you are encouraging this behavior by essentially removing the concept of consent from your relationship by letting him fuck you whenever he wants somehow that's like turn him into this guy who is like starting a business I'm just like not I'm not seeing the correlation here and Larry Larry presents it as if it's so obvious and I'm just like well actually if anything it probably has more to do with the fact that she's not working as much and she's doing more work at home. That probably like like correlation does not equal causation. And and I think that there are probably other things happening that don't necessarily have to do with actually them having sex that is making it so he can um you know start a business that he's always wanted to start or or you know go further in his career or whatever. There's also just like career progression and development happen. And I don't know. It's just it's just the the way that Larry presents it as if it's so obvious that like, oh yeah, you're letting him fuck you whenever he wants. And now he is this like super assertive, authoritative guy who has like direct reports and he bosses them around and it's so hot. Like I it's just it's weird to me that it's that it's presented in a way that's supposed to be obvious when it just isn't. Also, the use of the word alpha is hysterical to me. Um, You should listen to the You're Wrong About episode on um, the concept of like the alpha male. It's, It's really interesting. But yeah, that means nothing to me. All that tells me is that your husband's a fucking incel. Can you be an incel if you're married? I guess not. You know what I mean, though. You know what I mean. Anyway, let me move on. This next part is is where I just, my heart breaks for this person if she's real. I will say, though, that this has not been without sacrifice on my part. I used to work nights, but I changed my schedule to be available to him in the evenings, so I make less money than I used to. Now, we don't know enough about this story to say this. Uh, what am I trying to say here? If you're in a situation where your partner is preventing you from working and you want to work, that's financial abuse. That's, that's abuse, full stop. If you're, if you're listening to this and you find yourself relating to, to Winter's story a little bit and you are someone who wants to work, wants to make your own money, and your husband tells you no, tells you you can't and prevents you from going to your job, that's abuse. In Winter's situation, we don't know. We don't know if this was a, a decision she made all on her own. We don't know if it's something that he um, encouraged. We don't know if it's something that he dictated. But either way, giving up her financial freedom is terrifying. Don't do that. Again, if you're if you're in a situation 
and you might just start be kind of thinking about maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe this is weird. Maybe this is wrong. Maybe this is not making me happy. Make your money and hold on to your money. That's all I'm going to say. But anyway, it's it's wild to me that she and it sounds like she didn't quit her job entirely. She just is working less hours. It sounds like she changed her schedule to be available to him in the evenings. So it's not even like, oh, you know, um, one of our kids, as it turns out, has special needs and I need to be home with them or. Um, you know, one of the kids is doing some after school activity. So my, my schedule needs to change so I can accommodate that and support that. Or even like, or she doesn't even attempt to relate this back to the, to the husband working more like, oh, like he's taken on a lot more. He started his own business on top of his job. So for, you know, until that gets off the ground, I'm going to work less. Like all of those things would be like healthy. This is not. She changed her schedule at work so she could be home and have sex with her husband in the evenings because he that's when he wants it. He wants to fuck in the evenings and so she she wants to be there to be available to him. To the detriment of her bank account. Quite frankly. I also gave up some activities so I can rest more. A big part of my problem before I started this was I was tired all the time and was too exhausted for sex winter sweetheart first of all if you're tired i mean it's like it's like jokey in pop culture or whatever but like if you're too tired for sex that that's a valid reason not to have sex but also if you're exhausted and you're tired all the time Maybe it's not the best idea that your husband is starting a second job. Or maybe you need to hire a, a nanny or something. I mean, I don't understand. Uh, I, I don't get it. Maybe he should be at home more taking on some of your home duties. Because if you're barely working, I assume these two have kids. I don't know if she ever actually said it, but I'm just assuming that they do. But like, what what's making you so tired all the time? Is it is it him? Is it truly him? Because I gave up some activities so I can rest more. It makes it sound like you're resting so that he can fuck you, which is fucking weird. Also, another just little bit of advice for anyone out there who might be listening in a similar situation. Again, not knowing the full context here, not knowing how decisions were made. But if you're in a situation where your partner, your husband is uh, preventing you from going to hang out with your friends, preventing you from from doing things that you like to do. It's also abuse. Isolation is is one of the hallmarks of an abusive relationship. So please, if that resonates with you, get help. Okay, so she was tired all the time, whatever. So she stopped having fun so she can rest. So she's ready to go whenever he wants. But also, and you're probably not going to like this, another little indicator to me that Larry might have written this himself. It's been difficult emotionally because sometimes I don't like giving up control. 
It's been difficult emotionally because I don't like giving up control. And girl, same. I don't. I don't like giving up control. She says, honestly, I've had to fight my own rebelliousness. Sometimes when he approaches me, I'm tired and lazy and just want him to leave me alone. Sometimes I'm distracted and don't want to drop what I'm doing. Well, babe, that's not you being distracted. That's you doing something. That's you doing something else. That's you being busy. He can fucking wait. Does he not have a hand? I'm pretty sure he probably has two. If he's so fucking horny all the time, he can deal with it himself. Sometimes when he approaches me, is he just like coming up to you with like his... I can't. I fucking can't. This is disgusting. I'm tired and lazy and just want him to leave me alone. I... It's sad to me because... I feel like nobody has told her that that's okay. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to feel lazy and therefore not want to have sex. And you know what? It's okay if you have a moment where you don't want to be around your partner. It's okay if there are times where you want him to leave you alone. That's healthy. That's normal. And just because he has a boner at the time... It doesn't mean anything. Again, he can go take care of it himself if it's that important to him. Sometimes I'm distracted and don't want to drop what I'm doing. Why do you feel like you have to stop whatever it is you're doing to take care of his boner? This is disgusting. I, I'm sorry. I'm sa- I just keep saying the same thing over and over. But this is so fucked. Do you understand how fucked this is? Women are objects. Women are not even their own sentient beings women are fuck toys to these men it's disgusting i don't know how to put it but it has been difficult to not have my way on this well sweetie let me let me clarify for you if since you don't know how to put it that's called consent And it sounds like you don't want to consent. And for those of you out there who need the reminder, consent should be enthusiastic. It should be ongoing. And it should be explicit. If your husband has to coerce you into fucking him when you don't want to for whatever reason, you have not consented But then again, in Larry's world, that's totally fine. He's just taking what he just he's just taking what's his, right? He's just taking what he's owed. Yeah. She says that's been the hardest part. I like being 100% in control of my body. And now I have to make sacrifices. So yes, it's been difficult. You deserve to be 100% in control of your body. You deserve to decide what you do and when you do it and with whom you're doing it. You don't have to make sacrifices. You don't have to sacrifice your bodily autonomy. You don't have to sacrifice your consent. Are you kidding me? It's hard because you don't want to do it. I'm sorry to be so blunt. It's hard because you don't want to. And unfortunately, you're trapped in a religion that tells you that that doesn't matter. All that matters is that he wants to, so he's going to. And you have to make these sacrifices. 
She says, sexual obedience is a way of life. It requires a whole different mindset. Fuck that. <laughs> just, just fuck that. Because um, again, we're not talking about fun, kinky stuff. Okay. Don't, don't forget that. My husband's needs and fulfillment take up a lot more real estate in my brain now than they used to. What about your needs and fulfillment, Winter? Does that just do does that just not matter or are you supposed to derive fulfillment from being your husband's little sex slave? I know what Larry would say. Larry would say that that is absolutely where your fulfillment should come. Your fulfillment should come from being a sexually obedient wife. Now, don't get me wrong. Your partner's needs are important too. I don't want I don't want anybody to get it twisted and think that I am shitting on the concept of fulfilling your partner's needs. I hope it's very clear for everyone listening though that that's not what this is. That's not what Larry's talking about. That's not what he's advocating for. That's not what Winter's talking about here. She says it's not as simple as stop, drop and do it like I thought it was going to be. Well, that's because we're human. And sometimes we don't want to have sex. Sometimes we feel gross or we feel uncomfortable or we feel like we don't want to be around our partner. We, sometimes we feel like we don't want to be touched. Sometimes we have a lot going on and we're busy or we're distracted or we're thinking about other things or we simply don't have time. Those things are okay. That's called being a human. Nobody should expect you to stop, drop, and do it. Nobody should expect you to be available 100% of the time. Nobody should expect you to quit your job or rearrange your schedule so that you can be home when they're likely to want to fuck. I mentioned at the beginning that this one was really hard for me. And I think part of that is because... When I read stuff like this, it's so easy for me to see how that could have been me. It could have been me trapped in a relationship like this. It could have been me chained to someone who was fully bought into this way of thinking. And it's really scary to me to realize how close I was. I've said before how... (laughs) One of the biggest blessings in my life, one of the things that I am so thankful for is that I was never desirable enough to be courted. And it's shit like this that makes me say that. It's shit like this that makes me think that. I could so easily be with someone who was forcing me to give up my consent and give up my bodily autonomy, give up my friends and my hobbies and my job. Someone who whines about feminism tricking me into thinking I can have it all and then you know giving me the answer the answer being we'll just quit your job so you can be home and available to me whenever I want you I just am so grateful that I'm not winter (laughs) and again if you are listening to this and parts of this sounded familiar or uncomfortably close to home, please know that there are people out there who can help. Please know that you are worth so much more 
that you are so deserving of a life that brings you joy and fulfillment outside of your husband's dick, okay? And please, if if you don't have someone to talk to, you can talk to me. Send me an email, write to me on Instagram, whatever. I started this project, I know I've said this before, but I've started this project as, well, frankly, I started it for me. I started it as part of my own healing process with my therapist and some of my close friends. But as I continue with this project, I it, it's just become so apparent to me that, that this is so much bigger than I am. And I just, I want to reach people and I want to change minds so this is just because because what what is outlined in this article and in this email that's supposedly from this person is a very unhealthy coercive abusive relationship this is not normal this is not healthy this is not safe and it's not good and you deserve more So I'm going to get off the soapbox. I've said enough. This was probably long. I haven't even been looking at my timer, but um, thank you all for being here. I hope you enjoyed. Um, We will get back to more snark and less heavy. At some point, I have a Josh Harris update. Um, We're going to be reading through another chapter of I Kissed Dating Goodbye very soon, and then some more biblical sexology bullshit bsbs and i can't wait so wherever you're at stay cool or stay warm continue having a lovely summer i'm in the middle i was just telling my friend yesterday i always start out the summer just feeling so like refreshed and relaxed and and just cool and happy and then i and then i get into like midsummer on i get into the whole like summertime sadness thing and i've just been like ugh i've just been wallowing in it a little bit <laughs> so if you're like me wallow a little bit and then do things that make you feel good take care of yourself send this episode to anyone you think might enjoy it if you're not already following me on instagram do that i'm almost to 250 followers which I think is really cool um if you're if you're not following me on Instagram you should probably know that I actually don't do much with that I will announce when I have an episode coming out but mostly I just shit post so I'm really proud of the organic little following I'm building over there so if that's if that's something you might be interested go go give me a follow um as always, like, rate, review if you enjoyed this on your preferred listening platform. And yeah, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but it's still not enough. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who listens, everyone who follows me, everyone who keeps up with this project. I love you all so much. And I will catch you in the next one. Bye.